There is a, there's a name that some of you may know and I've heard, but uh, I, I had to do a little research to remind myself of the details. But his name was Roland Stewart. Uh, he was, he was uh, an, kind of a fixture in, um, in American sports culture back in the 70s and 80s. He had a nickname of Rock and Rollin' or the Rainbow Man. And he was known for wearing this rainbow-colored uh, Afro wig at sporting events, major sporting events, and holding a sign that said John 3.16 on it. And so he would show up at all kinds of big sporting events. I think the first one was the 1977 World Series. That's where he kind of came on the scene. But after that, he would look for... Ways to position themselves, position himself where cameras would be pointed, so in the end zone or behind home plate or on the 18th green, and and he would try to get in the view of the camera and hold this sign with this rainbow wig, John 3:16. By the mid 80s, um, broadcasters would intentionally try to avoid getting him in the shot and do all that they could to to keep him out of the picture. But he professed to be a Christian. Um, and I do not know, but it, but his personal life was a disaster. Um, he had four marriages. It was domestic abuse. He tried to choke uh, his wife uh, during the 1986 World Series because she was standing in the wrong place with the John 3.16 sign and was arrested. Uh, in the 1980s, he began a string of stink bomb attacks. I did not know this. Uh, and he used them to communicate to different organizations that God thinks they stink. And uh, so he would throw these stink bombs into the American Music Awards, Crystal Cathedral, Trinity Broadcasting Network. His life continued to spiral downward. He was arrested in 1992 on three counts of kidnapping he was make, making and making terroristic threats that said he was going to shoot down airplanes coming in and out of LAX. And he's now serving three consecutive life sentences behind bars for those charges. It's not exactly the guy we want representing John 3.16. But he did make his way into popular culture. There were Saturday Night Live skits. I think there was a Simpson episode that featured uh, rock and rolling. But but here it is, though. um, This most popular and well-loved verse of the Bible. The big one, as I'm calling it in the... Sermon title. If you've ever memorized any verse of the Bible, if you've ever learned a verse by heart, by memory, it's probably this one. I think with our kids, it was Genesis 1-1 first, and then John 3-16 was right there behind it. That, that said, this is the first time I've been preaching, not weekly, but off and on for 20 years now, and this is the first time I've ever preached a sermon on John 3-16. I was surprised by that, to be quite honest. I've quoted it so many times, I've referenced it so many times in sermons, I've shared it with people in evangelism, but this is the first time I've ever preached a sermon, and so I'm excited and, and uh, to do so. But you still, you still see, oh, I have a picture, I'm sorry, I forgot I have this, there's rock and roll in there. Uh, you still see pictures, uh, you still see pictures of, of signs at sporting events like this, you see it in other places, uh, Frank, you'll appreciate this one. In and out hamburgers there in California on the bottom of the cups. It has a little John 3.16 mentioned, uh, what else? Tim Tebow, of course. He was known to put it on his, some real estate on his face and use some of that. But 
So, so we see it around, and there's a reason, though, that John 3.16 is so popular with us and with people and particularly with the church. Um, John 3.16 is the, is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ in, in concentrated form. It's the gospel in a nutshell. Oh, I heard one person say, it's an ocean of thought in a drop of language. That's a great word picture. John 3.16 doesn't tell us everything there is to know about the gospel. We don't learn about election. We don't learn about calling. We don't really have regeneration or the atonement really spelled out in detail. That's, that's not it. But it's one of the most precious and powerful and just plain and straightforward statements of, of the good news of Jesus Christ in all scripture. It's incredibly simple and straightforward and yet it's profoundly deep. And so a, a, a young child can memorize it and understand what's been communicated in John 3.16. And yet we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks preaching. Don't worry, we're not going to. But weeks and weeks preaching on this one verse and not exhaust its depths or mine all of its riches. I mean, it's there's just so much. It's so good. Again, it's in this concentrated form. I got a Christmas card from one of you, and I won't say who, but uh, it was I, it was just a great card. And on the front, it just says, God so loved the world. And on the inside, it just basically takes a word or phrase that, that he gave the greatest act, his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whoever, the greatest invitation, believes the greatest simplicity in him, the greatest person, shall not perish, the greatest delivery, but the But the greatest contrast, have the greatest certainty, eternal life, the greatest possession. I mean, that'll preach. And so we could have a 12-point sermon really easily from John 3.16. But I'm not going to preach 12 points this morning. I'm going to have a four-point message. and, And I want to break this verse down into four simple, memorable words. And that's my intention. Four words. They all begin with D. And and the the words are we'll give them to you in a moment, but danger, design, decision, and destiny. And the reason I want to try to break this down and make this one verse as simple as we can is just my hope is that you can remember this verse when you go from here and over the coming days and and the next week as we as you celebrate Christmas that you'll you'll be thinking about the the meaning of these words of this verse and you can remember what's in here and that you'll be able to then share it with others. And so that's that's my aim uh, this morning. And so John, or excuse me, Jesus, and Jesus tells us here the danger we're in. And we'll see that first. Then he tells us the loving design of God to send his son to rescue us from that danger. And he tells us what decision we must make to avoid that danger. And then finally, he tells us the destiny that awaits us if we make the right decision. So first thing is this first word is danger. Danger. And this is what we'll see is that the, every person is born in danger of perishing forever. That's, that's the threat. That's the, the risk for us. We're, we're going to look at this verse out of order, at least begin, begin to, and, and it's just to, to, so we can see the danger first. You go to the doctor and he says, do you want the good news or the bad news first? I've never, I don't think anybody would say, you know, Give me the good news first. I'd like to go out on bad news. I mean, we all would say bad news first, particularly if the good news that's going to come is going to help us deal with the bad news. And so 
So that's what we're, that, I mean, along those lines, that's what we're doing this morning. And so we're going to see the, the danger first, and, and it comes later on in the verse. And, 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 it, and the danger is this, is that whoever believes in him, it's stated, should not perish. Perish. That's the danger Jesus is warning us about, perishing. And this danger is warned about in John 3.16 and in throughout the Gospel of John and throughout Scripture. The danger of, of perishing. It's like this tsunami siren throughout Scripture that's loud and clear, warning of this catastrophe that's just that's coming. And so we have this warning, and it's here in John 3.16. And so if I could restate that, so he says, unless, unless um, whoever believes in him, Jesus should not perish. If I could just restate that to highlight the danger, it's this, unless you believe in Jesus, you will perish. That's, that's the danger. Now, before we talk about what perishing is, it's not like it's not one of those words we just use all the time. That sounds a little antiquated to perish. Uh, but but let's try and understand why we're in this danger of perishing, and then we'll talk about what that really is. So, what's the problem? Why why is it that we're headed towards this? Why is this danger coming? Why is this tsunami of perishing? Moving towards us. And I'm going to throw at you an often used but often misunderstood word. And it's very simple. And it's this word sin. Sin. You know, we, we sometimes, again, we, we have wrong ideas. We, we, we often think about sin as being those really, really, really bad things. Those really sinful sins. Murder. Adultery. That kind of stuff. Those awful societal sins, but sin is anything we do that God has told us not to do. And it's anything we fail to do that God has told us that we need to do. That's that's all sin is. It's missing the mark of what God is has designed for us. And so and and, and so all of us have sinned. We've all done that. We've all failed to do those things that God has told us to do. Romans three twenty three makes it very clear. This is in the one of the letters of the New Testament. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. We've all missed that mark that God has set of absolute perfection and obedience to Him. No matter how big or small our sins, no matter how many or how few, we've all sinned and we therefore we've all fallen short. I don't, I don't think I need to convince anybody here today that they've sinned. I think we all kind of get that. Um, we can, we have enough self-awareness to know, yeah, that was, that was the bad thing to think or say or do. Um, but what I, I may need to help you do is to see the danger of your sin. What danger that brings you in. And it's danger stated again many places in scripture. If we go on in that letter of Romans, Romans 6.23, Paul says, the wages of sin is death. The, the wages, you understand wages, it's, it's, you, you, it's what you earn. You, you work, so you earn. You get the wage of, 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 of money. And yet we sin, and so we earn death. That's what our sin deserves. That's what it earns. So, so, so that's what, that's what we're talking about here. We've earned perishing. We've earned death because of our sin. So what is perishing? What is the, what is it the, the great danger that we need to be warned about? Why is it such a bad thing? Well, we obviously already said perishing means death, and that's how we tend to think of perishing. But it means more than death. It's more than that. We die because we sin, but but perishing goes beyond the grave. And so just a few few other statements to help clarify us. Just the first thing, perishing means that we're under 
the wrath and condemnation of God. That's what, that's what perishing means. Look in, again, we read this in John 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in Him, Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. We get condemnation for, again, not believing in Jesus. God says to believe in His Son, and we don't. We fail to do what He says to do. We're condemned. Verse 36 of John chapter 3, just go on down the page. One of the, this is one of the most precious and yet sobering verses in the Bible, I think. And it begins, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Then he says though, whoever does not obey the Son, does not believe, shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. God's wrath remains on the one who doesn't obey, does not believe in the Son. So because of our sin, if we're, not, if we're not rescued by the love of God, we remain under the wrath of God. So that's what perishing means. Perishing also means fiery torment. And here's the hell and fire and brimstone part of the sermon here. And just hang with me. But Revelation 14.10, this is one of the other books that John, who wrote the Gospel of John, one of the other books he wrote, He says that those who perish will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So, what we're saying is, perishing isn't just physical death. It's it's not annihilation. It's not that we we just kind of cease to exist after we breathe our last breath. That's not that's not what perishing is. It, it goes on. It's staying in existence. It's suffering the fiery torments of hell for eternity. That's that's perishing. I mean, I've heard I've heard you know comedians joke about this. You know, I'd rather be smoking pot in hell with my buddies than and singing hymns and heaven for eternity that sounds like a better way to spend forever if that's what's coming Uh, there's a more well-known philosopher author american professor that said whatever the tortures of hell i think the boredom of hell of heaven would be far worse and you and i you may not be so bold as to make a statement like that in your denial of the horrors of of, of hell and of perishing, um, but maybe you're willing to to take a gamble that it's not going to be that bad, or that maybe it won't even exist. I just say, I, I'm praying, and I have been praying this week. That if, if if any of you think like that, that God would open your eyes to see the reality of what awaits those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, and. And so, let me, one more statement about perishing. Is that perishing is everlasting and irreversible. This is the worst part, I think. One of the greatest parts. In John 3.16 here, it's the opposite of eternal life. Those who believe have eternal life. Those who do not believe, it's eternal punishment. Jesus says that explicitly in Matthew 25.46. Eternal punishment. So it's death. Yes. It's more than death. It's wrath. It's fiery torment. And it lasts forever. It lasts forever. I'm not trying to be morbid this morning. I'm not angry. It's not that I didn't sleep well last night and I'm just kind of grumpy this morning. And so I'm just coming in with a chip on my shoulder. That's not it at all. It is, is with nothing but love in my heart that I plead with you to, to heed the warning of Scripture here. 
that there is danger for those that do not trust in Christ. And all are heading to that. It's, it's God's grace that you're hearing this warning today. And I hope you'll see it as that. That, that um, whatever brought you here, whatever circumstances, whoever invited you, whatever, whatever reason you've walked into these doors today, if you've, if you've not trusted in Christ, consider it God's grace. He, he wants you to hear this warning about His wrath so that you'll be driven to, to receive His love. We'll see in just a moment. And, and, and you have been warned. Again, I say this with grace and love in my heart for you. You won't be able to stand before the Lord one day and say, nobody ever really told me what was at stake. No, God will say, no. On on December 13th, 2015, you were at Baraka Bible Church and that bald, bearded preacher, he warned you. He told you. And so you've you've been warned. And that's God's grace again to you. And I, and I, I want you to think about that as we... Continue on. And so there's a, another one of those letters that Paul wrote in second to the to a church in Corinth. He said in Second Corinthians six two, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And I would encourage you to think about that. That this is the day God has ordained for you to believe. So that's the bad news. You got the bad news first. The rest of the time we're going to spend looking at the good news that, that tells us how we can then deal with this, this danger, this bad news that, that we all face just by the fact that we've been born um, into this world. And so I hope that it will be seen to you as, the good news will be seen to you as better now that you understand the seriousness of the threat that we all face. And so the, this is where we begin to talk about the good news. So the second D word, so danger, we're all in danger we're all born sinners. We're all sinners. And so we're all in danger of perishing. The second word is design. Design. And it's stated this. That God in love has provided a way of rescue from that danger. And there it is in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's... That's God's design. That's God's loving design. Just a few things to note there. First thing is this. There is a God. There is a God. God exists. He's real. He doesn't exist because I, I say he's, He exists. He doesn't exist because you believe He exists. He just is. He exists. In the beginning, God. He's always existed. He, he created this world and everything in it. He's always existed from all eternity and always will exist. God eternally exists. You may not believe He exists, but that doesn't change a thing. God is. There are many compelling reasons. There are many good reasons to believe in the existence of God. And we won't go into all of those this morning. I just want to point out one reason from John 3.16. It's that Jesus believes in God. As He's saying this. It's it's an assumption. And from what I know about Jesus from the Bible, I am far more willing to trust what he has to say about God than I am about any philosopher or professor or co-worker or, or scientist or anybody else I've ever known or read. And so Jesus, Jesus says, God, there is a God for God. God, and, and this God also, he has a son. He has a son. He ha- has an only begotten son, some translations say, or an only son. That's that's a hard pill for some to swallow. 
And it may be a hard pill for some of you to swallow. And so I, I'm mindful of that. And if you're here this morning, and, and particularly if you're here this morning and you're a Muslim, um, or if you're listening over the Internet and, and you're, you're a Muslim, uh, one, I just want to say I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you're listening. Um, I, we are honored by your presence today. We're glad you found us. And, and we do, we want you to feel warmly welcomed and loved and respected and, and that is our sincere desire if, if, if you're here and you're Muslim this morning. But to your ears, this probably sounds blasphemous to say that God has a son. To speak of Jesus. You believe in Jesus, but to say he's a son of God sounds blasphemous. Because that must mean God had sex with an angel or with Mary. The woman, but that's not the case. I was at the ladies' Christmas tea helping serve, and we were walking out after our job was done, and they had started the program, and they were singing a song we sang just a minute ago that hollowed manger ground. And the Son of God here, born to bleed, crown of thorns would pierce his brow. I thought, man, if there are, there were, there were many Muslim ladies there for that tea, and um, I was just thinking that. If they're really listening to those words and maybe even singing those words, that's probably that's probably something they're kind of choking on, and and so I just I just I'm mindful of that, but but I, but that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't make me hesitant to proclaim to you that Jesus is the Son of God. In, a, in an entirely unique way. He's the only Son of God. Only begotten Son of God. And angels are called Sons of God in Scripture. Because they were all. Every single angel was created directly by God. And so they're called Sons of God. And Christians are called Sons of God. Because we've been adopted into the family of God. And, 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 and joined to Jesus Christ. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're Sons of God in that sense. But. Neither angels nor Christians are sons of God like Jesus is the only son of God. Jesus is not God's son by creation or by adoption, but he's God's son by begetting. It's a kind of a fancy and a word we definitely don't use, but in, in our minds just we, we just kind of run on empty after a while of trying to comprehend this in, fully of what it means that, that Jesus is eternally the son of God. Only begotten Son of God. But C.S. Lewis, he has an analogy that maybe will help us kind of think what is being communicated here. He just says, rabbits beget rabbits, horses beget horses, humans beget humans, not statues or portraits. And God begets God, not humans and not angels. That's, that's the idea. To say that, to say that Jesus is the only Son is to say that He's God. He's eternally the Son of God. Always existed as God's son, eternally God, equal and yet separate from the Father and the Spirit. So there is a God, God has a son, and this is where I get to the really the main, the point of the spear here for us in John 3.16. This is what he's really communicating, is that God loves. God loves. This is part of his design. He loves. The God who is, the God who exists, he loves if you're nothing else, if I say nothing else about God this morning, and if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear this. God loves. First John 4, 8, God is love. So He is love. He does love. I mean, and, and this is where our, again, our American culture, we can get so messed up here because it's, it's such, it's so, 
the, the way that love is talked about has been so messed up and convoluted and, and, and so we, love is defined as a f- infatuation or love is those, are the warm fuzzies. Um, love is, means we really like something. So I love Dr. Pepper, that kind of a thing. And, uh, love is something we fall in and out of. So we fall in and out of love. Depends on how happy I am with the other person as to whether I'm in love with them or not. And so that, just even that, that's not really loving them, that's loving me. So to the extent that you make me happy, I love you. That's not love. That's not biblical love. But that's how it's understood in our culture. And so here we say God loves. We may import those wrong ideas of love into into that statement. And so, but when we talk about love, this word is, some of you, if you know any Greek word, you probably know this one, agape. Or agapao is the verb form. But this is the word here. It's the love of the will. It's, it's, a, it's a love that always does what's for the benefit and the good of the person loved. Whether that's reciprocated, no matter what, how they respond, it's, it's always working for their good and their benefit. It's love that gives and gives and gives is what we'll see here. Even. It's love that says, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care. I, I don't care what I see in you. I don't, I, I've seen the ugly side of you. And, I, and I'm staying. I will, I will continue to sacrificially work for your good. That's, that's his love. God loves like that. He loves. And he so loved, the text said. A little, little, little particle there. He so loved. Now, that's not so like you tell your spouse, I love you so much. Or maybe boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be that cheesy as we're married, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm at, I mean, that's not a bad thing to say, but, uh, that's not what this is, this so is here. This so is telling us the way in which God loves us. So it'd be more like you're, like a mom telling her children, you set the table and do it, do it just so. He's just saying how to do it. This is, this is the way I want you to set the table. Now, obviously the way here is showing the extent. I mean, so it is, there is some of that so much. God loved us so that he sent his own son. He gave, he gave his own son and the, and, and that is the way in which God loved us. He gave, he gave his only son. He gave his son to be born to a virgin named Mary. He gave his son to live in the sinful fallen world. He gave his son to be tempted to sin just like we are and yet never sin. He gave his son to be, to be rejected and to be ridiculed by men and women, those men and women that he made. He gave his son to be falsely accused and arrested and beaten and crucified on a cross. He gave His Son. God loved us in this way. He gave His Son to die for us. For our good. For our benefit. That's, that's the kind of God, love God has for you. It's costly. It's painful. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's relentless. It's giving love. And we, we need to think about that today and over the coming a week and a half as we celebrate Christmas together, that God gave His most precious treasure, His Son, for us. Because He loves us. So God, God loves. And look, the next, the last thing I'd say about this design of God is that He loves the world. He loves the world. What's amazing about God's love is not just how He displayed it in, in, in giving His Son, but it's, it's amazing 
to, that, to whom he extended it. To the world. It doesn't mean God loved planet earth. It's not uh, about climate change or something like that. Like the big Paris conference this last week. And that he loved the physical world. That's not the point. He loved the people of the world. He loved this fallen world and the people in it. God so loved the rebellious sinners of this world that He gave His only Son. Romans 5, verse 7 and 8. It says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knows us. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that the world is full of sinners. And yet He loved the world. And he gave his only son. God knows everything about you. He knows everything. He knows what you did last night. What you did last week. Those things that nobody else saw. Nobody else knows about. God knows. He knows. He knows what you've said the past week. And he knows what you've said your whole life. The things you've said to the face of another person. The things you've said behind the backs of others. He knows. He knows the things you've thought, the evil thoughts you've had, the evil desires you've had. I mean, it's, we really start to, I mean, we, we, we would be ashamed at best and downright petrified to, if other people knew the things that we thought at times. It's bad, folks. Yet God knows. He knows. And He loves. He, you and I, you and I know we're bad people, but God knows even more fully how how awful we are in ourselves. And yet that doesn't stop him from loving us. It didn't stop him from loving us and sending us, giving us his son. Alright, so, danger. We're in danger of perishing forever because of our sin. Design. God in love has designed a way to rescue us from that danger. So how then do we avoid the danger that we're all facing and benefit from the design that God has put in place? And so that brings us to the third word. It's decision. Decision. Believing in Jesus is our link to God's rescuing love. So let's start back. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish. Leaves. That's that's a word. So God's love is for the whole world. That that His love is big enough to encompass every single person in the world. It's big enough to save everybody in the world. But it's only those who believe in Jesus that benefit from that worldwide love and are rescued. So if we don't believe, we forfeit that love. We remain under God's wrath. That's what. We're saying here, so faith believing is the link to God's love, to knowing that for ourselves. Your ethnicity is not your link. Your family is not the link. Your IQ is not the link. Your your church attendance is not the link. Baptism is not the link. Your religious uh, upbringing is not the link. Your morality is not the link. No, it's believing in Jesus Christ. That's how we get connected to the love of God. And, and that's how we find rescue from perishing. So what, is it, 
does it mean to believe? He says, whoever believes in him should not perish. What does that mean to believe in Jesus? Well, I'll say a couple of things. It involves believing the objective truth about Jesus Christ. There are there's, there's specific certain content you must believe. And it's stated many places in Scripture. I mean, even here in John 3.16, but 1 Corinthians 15.3-4, we, we need to believe this, certainly, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and He was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So there are facts of about Jesus that you need to believe. You need to believe He's the Son of God. You need to believe that He died, that He that He was buried, that He was raised again on the third day. So, So those are things we need to believe it's not believing is not just subjective it's not just emotional it's not just how much you you just just need more faith that's not that's not all it is it's objective it's grounded in the in truth in the object of faith jesus christ it's not how much faith we have that's so important it's it's whether our faith is placed in the right object Um, i can put all the faith i want in that submarine's ability to fly the one that's docked right beside the airplane, the fighter jet. But my, I can, it doesn't matter how much I believe in that submarine's ability to fly. It's not going to fly. So my faith has to be in the right object. And the object is Jesus Christ. And so knowing who he is and what he came to do, that's part of it. But believing also involves, it, it does involve putting our personal trust in Christ and what he's done for you. It's, it's, not just agreeing with those essential facts of the gospel. We need to, we need to, we need to rest the weight of our trust and confidence in Jesus Christ and what He's done. So it's not just enough to use that analogy to say, okay, well, I believe that that airplane can fly. I, I think that it can. Well, okay, well, then get in, get in. I could set a stool up on this stage and. I get a volunteer and say, okay, do you believe this stool can hold you up? And assuming it's not made from Ikea, you would probably say yes. And uh, I have my own Ikea furniture, so. Uh, but, um, but okay, well, then sit down. Oh, well, no, I'm not sitting down. <laughs> no way. <laughs> You're crazy. Well, so you don't believe. And, that, and that's what we're saying here. Believing, believing is not hard. You don't need to take a class. You don't need to learn a prayer that you have to recite or anything like that. You, you just, you trust. You put the, you rest your confidence in Christ. And you can do that right now while I'm talking. You, you, I'd say the way this generally looks, just call to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm perishing. I'm without hope right now. I've, I've got nothing. I've tried to clean my life up maybe or I've not even given a rip and I haven't cared about that. I don't know what your situation is, but none of it's worked. I, 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 I'm perishing. I need, I need Christ. I know that Jesus died. I believe that Jesus came and was, that you sent your son into this world. You sent him to die for, for my sin. And I believe that that, that was enough. And so I, 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 I can do nothing good to merit your favor, God, but I believe in what Jesus did in dying and rising in my place. And I trust Him. That's, that's believing. That's believing. God, I'm a sinner. I need help. I need grace. So, so you can call out to Him right now. Save me, God. And, 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 in, and the moment you believe in Jesus, 
we'll get to this in a moment, but you, you, you're born again to eternal life. Life. And so that's it. If you decide to believe in Jesus today, or if you have before, you, 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 how does your destiny change? How does your future change then? And that brings us to the last word, and then we'll be done. Fourth word is destiny. Those who believe in Jesus have eternal life. They have eternal life. This is why Jesus came, that we might have life. John 10, verse 10. I came, that's Christmas. Jesus came into this world. That's what Christmas is all about. The the coming of Jesus, the incarnation, coming of Jesus into this world. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. That's why Christ came. Jesus came so that we might have this full, abundant, eternal life in Him. That's what Christmas is about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Life. What is eternal life? Let me just give you a couple things about eternal life. First thing is that eternal life is in Christ. John 1 verse 4, in Him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus saying this, that life is found in Christ. Eternal life is first and foremost found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This personal, intimate, knowing relationship. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. That you, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This is life. So it's in Christ. Secondly, eternal life begins now. It's not just a future expectation. It's it's now. John 5, verse 24. Truly, truly. And he says that. He's saying, listen up. Don't miss this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. Does not perish, but he has passed from death to life. In other words, eternal life isn't just something that we wait for after death. Something we have. It's a present possession. We have life in Christ. It's something we have now by believing in Jesus. It's a quality of life. Life abundantly. Eternal life is also not interrupted by death. John Chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. And that will not be stripped away by the grave. It goes on for eternity. Death will not turn eternal life into temporary life. And that's the last thing I would say. Is eternal life will last forever and ever and ever. It goes on. Amen. How long is forever? You ever think about that? <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you got a quiet moment, just think about eternity. God, the Bible says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. So you think about it. What is that? How can we even begin to consider that. I read this little illustration just to get our minds, just to blow our minds a little bit. And any illustration of eternity is going to fall short. But but this this was his way of helping people to understand this. If a little bird should fly from the coast of the sea to a great plain inland and deposit a grain of sand once every thousand years, 
when the mound of sand is the height of Mount Everest, eternity will have just begun. <laughs> That's great. Now, now some, just be honest, some of you are thinking, I, I don't know. That, will it get boring? Forever and ever and ever. It will not. It will not. There is joy, unspeakable joy that awaits us for all eternity, always increasing. God is an infinite being and there's always more to know and love and we'll be together. It's not that we just, it's not like the, the movies and the cartoons where we're just floating around on white clouds and, and, uh, singing song, singing, you know, hymns and rows of chairs or something like that. No, it's life. It's a new heavens and a new earth. And we'll work and we'll do good things. But there will be no toil. There will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. There will be no sin. There will be no death. It's just, it's, it's, it, we can't even conceive the greatness of the joy and the life that awaits us. And it never ends. Never ends. So I, so I ask you, and, and, I, and I want you to think about this, is, is do you, do you, do you know now the danger that you're in? Either you're headed for it now and you're perishing, or this is the danger that you've been rescued from. And that ought to just cause tremendous delight in your heart and thanksgiving to God. And it ought to give just again a freshness to your celebration of Christmas as you just thank God that He so loved this world that He sent His own Son. Jesus came. God gave His own Son. We could believe and have eternal life. Have you received? Have you received the gift of eternal life today? I, I'm not. I'm, I just want to encourage you along these lines. That you, when you came in the door, you should have got. You should have received a bulletin. I don't know if I have one up here or not, but you, at the back of that bulletin, I think Frank may have mentioned this. There's a little slip that says connect, and normally that's just to kind of gather information, and so we can drop a note and tell you thanks for visiting and make ourselves available if you have questions and certainly uh, we want you to do that but if you've believed in jesus today as as even as i was talking this morning if you put your trust in christ and for the first time you've received eternal life I, I would encourage you just use some white space on there you can write out on the lines it doesn't matter just just let us know that and and we would love to to, to share with you and talk you can you can write that you can turn it in one of these boxes at the door and we'll We'd love to contact you, or you can just come talk to us and, and just tell us. You don't have to write it on paper. You can just, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to help you and point you in the right direction and helpful direction uh, of, of what it means now to go on and grow with Jesus Christ. And so, so that's, that's one way to respond. If you still have questions though, you're still, ah, okay, I hear what you're saying. I, I've, but I've heard this before. I'm not sure. Not sure I believe God exists, or I'm not sure that God could have a son. I'm not sure. That, that there really is eternity. I'm not sure of the reality of hell, and I, I don't know. And and maybe you're, you got questions or or just things that you're, you're wrestling with, and that's okay. That's fine. We, we've I would say probably everybody that's believed in Jesus Christ, we've been there. We we understand and we know. And so you can write that on a slip and let us know, or come tell me. Tell talk to any one of us, the person who brought you, the person sitting around you. Just let them know you got questions. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to single you out or anything like that. We just, if we can be of help, we want to. And and so, so, or if you just got anything, write it on there. We would ways we can pray for you, and we will we will do that. Um, so that's that's my appeal to you. But I I want you to think. I want us all. If you, if you've not trusted in Christ, if you are 
since that danger of perishing, I want you to believe. That's what I'm praying. And then for all of us who have believed, I want us to rejoice and to celebrate. We're going to sing in just a moment one of the, one of the it's a just a great one of the greatest hymns I think of our of our modern era in Christ alone. It begins with that coming of Jesus, God and helpless babe. And and ending up through Christ's death, resurrection, singing through the good news, singing through what we've been talking about this morning. And so we're going to respond with just thanksgiving that it's in Jesus Christ alone that our hope is found. Is your hope found in him today? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we do thank you that we have hope. As the ladies were talking about Friday night, that hope is alive. Because of Jesus Christ. In Christ who lives our hope is found. And so may even as we sing these words. That that these precious truths would be pressed under our, our hearts and our souls. And that it would just cause us to just burst forth. And expressive songs of praise and adoration to you God. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And help us now to sing. And to, to, to you and praise to you. And even as we sing these words with conviction, God, we're, we're exhorted to sing to one another also in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. So I pray that it would be a ministry to us, maybe some of us that are struggling with this. Um, maybe hope seems to have diminished and it's, it's, it's weak and it seems dim. God, use even the, the songs of your people, God, to bolster our confidence and in the hope that we have in Jesus Christ today. I ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen.